Ion 2020 episode 147. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, bringing you all the news, the things that are going on in this 2020 election cycle, bringing you the chaos that is going on. And I am that solid voice of wisdom in the midst of all that chaos every single day, Monday through Friday. So I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, there's things going on in the news, man. This whole Mueller thing, you guys heard me talk about it yesterday and stuff. And uh, everyone's now, now the fallout from that is happening and everyone's trying to make hey of what's going on with this Mueller report uh it doesn't seem like there's any too much more news going on but everyone tries to you know take specific words and and twist it to their situation and stuff and it happens with anything that's written down i mean even the bible for example i mean there's a thousand different denominations of christianity right and that's everyone's separate interpretation of what the bible says and how it says it and so forth jehovah's witnesses have their things the mormons have their things their baptists have their things everyone has their interpretation of words that are written down every single day and that's the same thing with the Mueller report as well as his testimony yesterday is everyone's going to interpret it to meet, to meet what their criteria is what their predetermined biases are every single time that's what they're doing. So that's what you're seeing with the Democrats and the Republicans on both sides. They're just taking it for what it is. And that that's the basic news of the day, pretty much. That's going to be talked about until Friday, until Donald Trump decides to make some stupid tweet or puts out something else that's controversial or whatever in order to uh, you know t- control the news cycle. Because that's what he's good at. He's... You guys know that. He's good at controlling the news cycle, controlling the media, controlling the way that it's presented. Uh, good, good or bad, if you have... As long as you're in the news, it's good for him, is what he assumes, I'm sure. Uh, And that's why he's willing to put out those controversial tweets every so often. That's why he throws those things out there, just so that it'll it'll get the control the news cycle. And then when he does throw something controversial out there, it forces his, the people that are going to defend him, right? What they do is they pull closer to him. That division splits. The people that are screaming at, or that don't like him, they're going to start screaming bloody murder over whatever he says and the people in the middle are forced to choose sides at that point right and that's what they do i mean that that's the way that the division works within this country that's the way that the politicians have kind of mastered this over the last you know 20 30 years or so they've probably mastered it throughout time because i'm sure it happened in rome i'm sure it happened in greece i'm sure it happened in ancient egypt i'm sure it happened throughout the middle ages and in every country ever it's happened that they master the way that they get the population to get on their sides and so forth and the division pretty much helps and i think that that's uh i mean donald trump has specifically mastered the idea of the controversial tweet at this point in order to you know make force people to choose sides and that's what they do i mean the people that defend him are going to defend him no matter what he does i mean he even said it. he says man i could go down into the middle of times square and shoot somebody and my people would still be on my side 
and he knows that. I mean, that's how that's how his avid followers are. That whatever. I mean, that's how they're gonna be. I'm Barack Obama's followers were the same way. Those that loved him, those that those that would never do. I mean, he was not half as controversial as Donald Trump in some way, but he did do some things that are very. Um, Partisan. I mean, he passed Obama, Obamacare, a very partisan bill. It was one that was pushed through, it was rammed through on the, you know, the right before the night before Christmas, pretty much, and it was just rammed through. They made it happen. Not a single Republican it voted for. It was completely partisan, and the divisions happened. You know, and I think that the the major division that we have today within the Washington establishment, and I I guess among the people of America, but I, I, like I said in past episodes, I don't think the people are as divided as, as the media portrays it to be, but in Washington, you do have that division between the parties, and it's, I mean, it, it happened around that time with Barack Obama getting elected, as well as now today. The Republicans and Democrats cannot come together on anything unless it's apparently something that is going to just, you know, take, they're both okay with taking your money, like maybe war or something like that. So, um, yeah, anyway, but Donald Trump became a master of that stuff. And, and that's, that's on him, you know, that's, uh, and it's going to help him to get reelected most likely. And his people that love him are going to continue to follow him. People are going to be forced to choose sides and so forth. Um, you guys have always heard me say this though. That's the challenge with the two parties duopoly that we have is it's just, you know, there's an establishment there that's going to make sure that they stay entrenched because they cannot give you other choices as well. The Libertarian side, the Green Party, all the different party, the other parties that are out there, as well as just an in, a good quality independent candidate maybe, they're forcing you to choose sides because that's where the establishment is, which is the Democrats and Republicans, which really does stink for everybody in America but um, because everyone's forced to basically hold their nose and uh and vote for the one that smells less crappy to be honest with you uh unless you decide just decide not to vote and that's uh that's that's pretty prevalent in america as well i think only about 65 percent of people actually do vote 35 percent don't and i've done the show on this in the past as well where more people did not vote for president chose to abstain from voting for president than actually voted for barack obama or excuse me or voted for uh, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton in the last election, which says a lot about our political system as well. But hey guys, I appreciate you listening today. I got a couple good good topics lined up for you and I'll try to get to all, th- it's actually three of them and I'll try to get to all three of them now uh, in this show as well. If, if I do have time, I try to keep this show at around 30 minutes. Uh, but if it's your first time listening, thank you for coming out and joining us today. Uh, go ahead and subscribe if you end up liking what you hear. And then you'll be able to hear the show tomorrow. You can also search through and uh, go to all the other topics that I've covered in the past. I have 140-some-odd episodes before this one. Uh, Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great, especially the first couple I've had some challenges with. Uh, most Probably one of the best shows, or the worst shows I did was my first show. And uh, it's probably one of my most listened-to shows as well. And uh, I'm sure all of the people that listened to that show never returned one more time to listen again just because the sound quality is terrible and it was my first time doing a podcast but I've been doing this for about uh, seven months now I really enjoy it it's fun uh, going on my eighth month once uh, once August hits and it's, that's great and uh, I appreciate all those that keep on continuing to come out and listening every single day um, but yeah go ahead and subscribe to the show and then if you really like what you hear you can go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review I appreciate all those that do that and whenever you do give me a review 
I will read that on the air. I might even read a negative review on the air if I had one, which I hopefully I don't. Don't do that. Don't do that just so I'll read it on the air. But I might even read a negative review on there just so I could, uh, you know, compliment you for for your enticing wisdom, I guess I'd say. Uh, but yeah, if you really, really like what you hear, so if you double like what you hear, there's also a way to go ahead and uh, support the show. And you can do that with a $2.99, $4.99, or a $9.99 support level. And uh, that'll be done at anchor.fm slash ion2020. So go ahead and do that now if you'd like to as well i appreciate anyone that would support the show also and i'll mention you on the air as well uh but hey guys the first thing i want to talk about was this fox news did a poll um and donald trump was tweeting about it this morning and the thing that he was talking about was uh trump's economy right is uh he is he has his highest rating yet of his presidency on the economy so 52 percent of people are saying that they are very happy with Donald Trump on the economy. That's the highest it's been. I think the the right before that it was like 47%. So it's gone up by 5% percentage points since the last time they did Fox did this survey. And uh, that is good for the Trump administration. The reason why I say it is because if the economy is going good, people do vote with their bellies, right? And if the economy, economy is going good, that's going to help him to get reelected. They're not going to look at all the um, the other you know sidebar stuff as long as the economy is doing good. Trump says, "Well, why isn't?" And one of the tweets I read, it says, "Well, why isn't that a hundred percent of people that are, you know, happy with the economy right now? It's been lowest unemployment in decades and everything else." And that's true. Like, there's the the economic numbers right now are looking pretty good. Uh, I talk to a lot of people out there, and they say the economy is pretty good as well. Uh, but perce- perception of the economy, economy, and uh, people's perception of future outlook of the economy is what's really important as well. And that's those those numbers seem to be high also, which is a good thing. Uh, I hate it when when presidents tend to take credit for the economy as uh, as much as they do, but. You know, Trump can take some credit for some of the things that he's done. He did get, like, the tax cuts done. Uh, I think that a corporate tax going down to 15% from around 35%. No, I think it went from 35% down to 20%. I think that, that was a very good thing. I think that corporations should probably have way less taxes in the first place only because all of those all those taxes are passed on to the consumer anyway in the, in the result of higher prices. So if a, if a corporation is taxed at 30%, all they do is pass... That's a cost of doing business to them. That's on that side of the margin on their balance sheet, right? So when they're doing their numbers at the end of the year and they paid 30% in taxes, then then they know that next year they're just going to have to raise the prices a little bit, you know? So they're always trying to figure out ways to pay less taxes only because that's the cost of doing business. So when you lower the taxes down to you know 20%, they're saving a lot of money on those taxes as well that's going to help them to lower the price of their goods also. I mean, that's a good thing. Lower taxes on corporations because they only get passed on onto the consumer. The only person, I mean, you guys know how I feel about taxes in the first place, but uh, the less taxes you have on the on the corporation, the better. Uh, the less taxes you have on the consumer is better as well. But the consumer pays the corporate income tax also, just in a roundabout way. Uh, you don't see it on your tax bill, obviously. So I think that him doing that was a very positive thing, though, being able to get that through, getting his tax cuts through. Um, he's done a few things with limiting the amount of uh, of red tape, the bureaucracy, the different um, 
all the you know all, all the all the rules and regulations and stuff that that he got rid of supposedly he got rid of a bunch so those are that's would be a good thing i don't know what the exact exact result of each and every one of them but that's that is a good thing as well so he can take some credit on the economy where it is now in some ways how much is that weighted though is it he can claim 10% responsibility 20% responsibility or 90% responsibility he would claim 100% responsibility if he can, and I'm sure he would take 100% responsibility. But the economy has been going upwards in an upwards motion since about 2009 after the major crash, right? I think it was uh, the middle of 2009 after Barack Obama got elected that the crash actually you know, bottomed out, and then it started going up ever since then. So we're in the largest, I think it's the second longest growth in American history is happening right now as we speak. So Donald Trump is in the midst of that. Now, things can go south for him quick, though. I mean, we saw how it was in 2007, 2000, 2007, 2008. Things just over a two-year period, man, it just bottomed out to the point where the stock market, I think it went from around fifteen or 16,000 down to 6,000. So it lost, you know, two-thirds. So, I mean, we're at 26,000 now. It can, you know, let's say you lost two-thirds at this point. That would be devastating for the Trump economy. And then he would have his people to blame. I mean, he's already making a point to say, well, the interest rates are, you know, the interest rate going up caused it, that the federal bank did this. and the federal, So, like, he's trying to get his straw men out there right now just in case things happen. He could also blame it on the Democrats. We'll see where it goes. But everybody is always looking for their scapegoat, and I'm sure Donald Trump is doing the same with that particular scenario. But as long as the economy is going good, I've said this in the past, he's going to have no problem getting reelected. Not a problem whatsoever getting reelected um, because people vote with their bellies. And they're going to, it's the economy, stupid. It's been said in the past, right? So let me go ahead and get off that topic, though. That's just the Trump economy. 52% are saying that he is uh, that they like him on the economy. He's doing a good job right now uh, based upon the economy. Now, I've seen different other polls as well. Uh, the Rasmussen Daily Poll that they do with the Daily Track and Poll of Presidential Approval Rating, and he polls right around in line with what Barack Obama did that, you know, three years into his, or two years into his term as well. Uh, I always check that tracking poll, and it always shows around 48, 46, 47, 48%. Sometimes he bumps above 50, sometimes he goes below that 45%, but he's been staying right around there for a while. And uh, that's because he has the people that love love him to death, man. Then you got all those people in the middle that, you know, half of them love him, half of them hate him. And then you got the Democrats that just despise the guy. Uh, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, we're in a, we're in a div- div- divided country right now in the sense of the political side of it. But if you sit there and talk to other people around your neighborhood, if you go out there and you talk to people, they are not as divided as the uh, as the press would have you think. So anyway, let me move on to another topic as well. Um, how do you, like, the, I, was, I was having some conversations with people the other day, and I've had multiple conversations with people throughout, obviously, for all my life, obviously, but um, when you're talking about politics with somebody that's like over 25, 26 years old, if you're talking with somebody, especially someone that's like in their you know, early 40s, late 30s, early 40s like myself, um, it's really hard to change their views on things because they've already, they've already built their worldview on what it is, right? And it's been, it's, 
it's hard to change somebody and it's hard to get people to look at themselves in a critical way or look at their views in a critical way. So when we're trying to get out there and have conversations with people, if you're younger, if you're in your 20s, if you're in your you know early 20s, if you're in college, if you're in high school, people haven't thought out their political views in detail at those ages, right? I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the younger kids, they might just be liber- liberals and they think that the government can do all this and that. And it's a little bit easier to poke holes in their worldview. But once somebody gets entrenched in their worldview and they're in their early 40s, you know, late 30s, early 40s, they get to the point where there's an idealism going on. They really think that they understand the world and what it is. And it's very hard to open their eyes to a different way. And I mean, imagine trying to speak to somebody that's like 70 years old. They call it, they talk about people being hard headed when they get older, hard to move, resistance to change. And in po- politics, it's the same way. The older you get, the more resistant to change you're going to be. And I think that uh, for us as libertarians, especially if we're getting, if we're older libertarians, having those conversations at work, having those conversations with our friends, we have to be very hands uh, not hands off but we have to be very we have to do it in a way that slowly moves those people's views and changes their views because those are people that are they they've built a wall around their ideas already they are they have their worldview and they've built a wall around it right they either enjoy politics or they don't um some people hate politics some people will never talk politics some people will talk about it a little bit uh, I reserve. I prefer not to talk too much politics with my friends, but I will throw some little, sprinkle some little seeds out there every so often. And then if they ever want to come to me and have those conversations in a non-argumentative way, I will definitely talk to them for sure. But I sprinkle those seeds around because I want them to understand where I'm at, and I want them to maybe, oh, raise a libertarian. I'll look it up on my own. And then at that point, if they have any more conversations, but there's, uh, but my goal is never to come off in any type of argumentative way or anything like that, uh, because I know that somebody that's my age, they've already built that wall around. They've already protected their view. So how do you change that person? That's my that's my dilemma. How would you change somebody in that situation? And I've just come to the conclusion that you really just have to take your time. It's not going to be something that's going to be, you know, you're not going to move their view. You're not going to make them become a libertarian or a Rothbardian libertarian overnight. And, uh, but I mean, if you could find common ground with people when you're conversating with them, that's kind of the key. And that's the key with anybody at any age is just to find common ground with them in the first place. And then at that point, you can start to maybe poke holes in their worldview in some way, but without them realizing it, right? Because as soon as you challenge them on their on their worldview and on the things that they believe, they put up the defensive wall at that point, right? They start closing those gates. They start to push back a little bit. So we have to use some linguistic judo in some ways to get them to, you know, throw their weight into you and then you kind of pull upon that in order to get them to you know, do what you want them to do. So that's just a little food for thought for you if you're ever talking with people, especially if you're an older uh, person. But uh, you know what? I remember when I was in college having arguments with people. There was this one guy. I was a new libertarian at the time. It's like 19, 
No, it's like 2000 or the year 2000 or something like that. And there's this one guy that was a true communist, and I'm talking with him. We're in one of the labs, uh, one of the study labs of some sort, and it was like an honors program lab. So like we'd go in there and we'd just kind of talk. There was couches around, computers and all that stuff. Uh, we'd go there and use the internet because there was no, you know, Wi-Fi back then or anything like that. And uh, we'd have these conversations, and he would get into these ideas of just these total feelings, you know, these emotional responses to everything and we should be taking care of the poor because you know the government needs to help them out and blah 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 and like we would have these arguments man these arguments back and forth and i'm trying to change his view he's trying to change my view i'm talking about this he's talking about that and i didn't really understand economics and libertarianism as much as i do nowadays but i did understand it right so i understand the best that i could at the time and neither of us changed each other's views because I've said this on the past show he was basically a salesperson for his socialist idea and I was a salesperson for my economics you know economics and libertarianism idea and neither of us are going to change anybody because all we do is entrench ourselves into our arguments every single time as they're talking you're trying to think about I've been trying to think about what I'm going to say to him next and when I'm talking he's trying to think what he's going to say to me next and that's all that the conversation is. We don't change anyone around us. None of the people that are around us that are listening to us talk, that are kind of in the conversation a little bit, none of them are getting their minds changed either. They're just thinking, wow, these guys are crazy for thinking about all this stuff, right? So even as a younger person, it's harder. you got to make sure that, yeah, that person might have a little bit more of an open mind, but there also has to be some kind of curiosity on their part in order to listen to what you have to say. And you don't want to come off as a know-it-all because no one likes to know-it-all as well. But, you you know, there has to be some kind of curiosity. Are you curious about what I have to say? If not, then there's not much reason to talk to you in the first place. And if you're only going to be argumentative, if you're, if you're only going to try to make, it, make your points and then move on to the next points and then try to counter my points, then all we're doing at that point is arguing. And no one's going to change minds at that point either. So, um so yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to get out there and talk to people about libertarianism, about and about you know limited government, self determination, non aggression. It's hard to get out there and talk about those things. But those are things that we base our philosophy on, and we all have our you know we all feel like those are things that are important, and that's why we believe in libertarianism. So, um, yeah, but get out there and continue to talk to your friends. I just was thinking about this the other day, and it's, you know, you, there's a different strategy for talking to different people, and we just need to be open to that. So, anyway, moving on. Um, the last topic I had that I was just thinking about, and I heard it over the weekend on one of the, the, the news shows. I think it was Fox News Sunday, or maybe it was MSNBC, I'm not sure, but... One of the Sunday shows where I, I watch most of the Sunday shows, and uh, I don't watch them, I actually listen to them after the fact, and that's where, like, there'll be, you know, Chris Wallace on Fox News, he'll interview different presidential candidates, he'll interview senators, he'll interview Congress people, and so forth, and one of the things that he asked one of them that was, I think it was somebody that is on the Trump administration, and he said, is it unpatriotic if they don't follow Trump? And why would you ask a question like that? But the reason why is because Donald Trump is, in fact, trying to paint people that don't love him and don't follow him as unpatriotic. And I think that that is just 
the most unpatriotic thing I've ever heard someone say, to be honest with you. Because if just if, if you think that loving Donald Trump is the patriotic thing to have, the most patriotic thing you can do is speak out against your country when it's doing something wrong. That's the most patriotic thing you can do is stand up for the American citizens who the who are being trampled whose rights are being trampled by the government. Stand up for people who are being having their wealth confiscated from the government. Standing up for things like that, things that the government is doing wrong that's unconstitutional. Being holding true to the constitution and defending the constitution, that's the patriotic thing to do, not defending the congress not defending individual members of Congress, not defending the president, and damn sure not defending any politician that's out there in the first place. That is not the patriotic thing to do. When each one of those people that are up there, what they did is they swore an oath to the Constitution of the United States. They did not swore an oath to Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, or Chuck Schumer, or any of these leaders that are in Congress. Not a single one of them swore an oath to them. They did not swear an oath to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or anything. They didn't even swear an oath to the American flag. They swore an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States. That's what they swore an oath to. That's the patriotic thing to have. That is the patriotic thing. And if Donald Trump is saying that, you know, in some way, if he is insinuating it, if he is trying to make people feel like they're unpatriotic just because they don't follow Donald Trump and believe what he believes, that is unpatriotic to say. Now, this is this all this stuff happened in response to the this group of four women that supposedly hate America and all that. I don't know exactly every single word that all these women said. They probably are being taken out of context in some way, but they've also said things that sound like they're pretty... Um, I don't know. They're they're not anti-American. I I won't say that, but they're critical of America. That's what it would be. So, for example, I think one of them was saying that we, you know we come from a past history of slavery and all this stuff, and that is true. Though those are things in the past about America, but by them criticizing Donald Trump, you cannot say that they're unpatriotic. By the fact that they criticize Donald Trump. So I just, I hate it when politicians bring in this whole patriotism thing. I mean, George Bush did it, saying, you know, like, he made it seem like if you were not for the wars in Afghanistan and the wars in Iraq, us invading these countries, that you're unpatriotic. They try to make it sound like you're unpatriotic if you don't support the wars, that you hate the soldiers if you don't support the wars. That's what the, that's what the neoconservative movement tries to do, is makes you feel that way. And Republicans try to own patriotism in some way. And they're, they're the patriotic ones. They're the ones that support the troops. If you supported the troops, you would not send them into the harm's way in some country 7,000 miles overseas for something that doesn't mean anything. You would not send them over there to die and fight for this country when in reality what they're fighting for is, you know, is some politician and what he wants. You know, they did in fact, go over to Afghanistan and take out Osama bin Laden over time. But they didn't have to take out the Taliban. They didn't have to go that far. The, the federal government did the wrong, made the wrong decisions when it came to going into Afghanistan and invading and trying to take over that country. Same thing with Iraq. They didn't need to do all that. But they did. And then they say, you're not patriotic if you don't support 
these wars. And then they say, you don't support the troops if you don't support these wars. No, I damn sure support the troops. I support their lives. I support their families. I support their friends who have to suffer if these guys come back in a casket. That's what I support. I support those soldiers not coming home with PTSD and committing suicide because of the things they saw over there. I mean, these politicians want you to think that you're unpatriotic if you don't. So then it causes everybody to salute salute the soldiers, and that's fine. But that does not mean you have to support the wars in, in, that, they're, that the politicians are sending them to. You don't. And that's, I mean, I've, I've always felt that way. And it, it, it sickens me when politicians do that. And that's exactly what Donald Trump is doing in some way. Is trying to make people feel like they're not patriotic if they don't support him. So, I just wanted to bring that up today. I think that it's wrong the way that he's trying to frame that as well. So, guys, I appreciate everyone that keeps on listening. Numbers keep going up, and, and that just shows that I must be saying something good, saying something you enjoy listening to, and something that, you know, maybe makes you think every single day. I'm not sure. Uh, but thank you for so much for coming back and listening. Share it with your friends. Let them know about the show. Uh, give me that five-star rating and review if you can, and also um, subscribe to the show if you're a first-time listener, and then come on back tomorrow so you can have clear vision for 2020.